0: jimmy jelinek and dennis Quaid.
1: our guest today on the pet show is elias weiss friedman better known the world over as the Doggest. to those unfamiliar with his moniker and origin story it reads something like a millennial dream in 2013 After being laid off from a corporate job and brand strategy, Friedman, then a frustrated photographer, dusted off his Nikon and began skulking the streets of New York City, looking for a subject to capture. After some false starts, he began noticing that his pictures on Instagram that featured dogs were seeing massive engagement from his friends and family. It was then that the light bulb appeared. A fan of street photography pages like The Satorialist," which offered a subtle and nuanced take on fashion and style featuring everyday people, he realized, with some detached irony and semblance of humor, that there was nothing like this out there for dogs. Thus, The doggist was born, combining the street style sensibility of The Satorialist with the storytelling pathos of the humans of New York. Today Friedman is nearly as famous as the dogs he photographs a familiar face in the dog parks and canine-friendly haunts of Manhattan and Brooklyn. He downplays his success with an uncharacteristic modesty and deadpan wit, readily acknowledging the ridiculousness of the entire endeavor. Nonetheless, he's extremely good at what he does, which he says with all seriousness is due to the fact that he's part dog himself. And with nearly four million followers on the Doggist page, he might just be right. In 2015, Friedman released a book entitled The Doggest, photographic encounters with 1,000 dogs. The book was featured on the New York Times bestseller list. In 2017, Friedman released another book entitled The Doggest Puppies. This, coupled with a full line of clothing and dog-related merchandise, as well as a side business offering dog portraiture to select clients, as well as work for brands like Purina has the Doggest poised to become a fully-fledged canine empire. Friedman spoke to us from his New York City home, having just returned from a two-month hiatus in Massachusetts where he was quarantined. He spoke to us in what was a sweltering New York City Wednesday, in what most New Yorkers who've ever been trapped in the city in August know as the dog days of summer. But the dog is stops for no man, heat, humidity, weather, and pandemic included. So without further ado, Elias Weiss Friedman, welcome to the Pet Show. I just want to get some, some background first on, you know, I'm sure you've gone over your origin story a million times, but if you can bear, bear with me and do it for me as well. The, sure. uh, the idea for the Doggist came from you sensing an opportunity to create something similar to the Sartorialist for dogs, right? You were in Vienna, you had just been laid off and you woke up in the middle of the night after sensing engagement, after seeing engagement of a photo you took on a boxer. Is is that- Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it was, it's something I've been doing my whole life in some ways. You know, I've always been a doggist. I had a dark room in the house and I had Labrador retrievers and I was into cameras and, but this was, you know, before social media. So it was not like I could see how it would turn into a career, but then the you know fortunate series of events, or I don't know if you'd call getting fired fortunate, but in retrospect it was. Yeah. And then yeah, I, I was just like had this epiphany moment where I saw this great project that no one was doing, at least the way I I thought it could be done, and the re- I just started it, and the rest is history kind of thing, you know, like forty thousand dogs later. You know,
1: for people who aren't, you know, I I lived in New York for. 17 years but for people who aren't new yorkers and don't understand the satorialist, you know there is a very new york essence about the dogs that you photograph what is it that is being communicated you know like what makes a dog new york you know in that in that satorialist sense of the word in terms of how you're curating these dog pictures for a very you know special look and feel
0: yeah, I mean that's that's something we talk about a lot. Is that you know, the dogist is almost just as much New York as it is dogs, and there's just sort of this like special texture of New York that comes through in the images, whether it's the the background or the person's outfit, and you know the, the quote that they give me is often like very like pithy and interesting, and and then there's a diversity of dogs that you don't really get. In other in other cities or any you know other places around the world so there's just sort of this you know there's this New York special combination of factors that sort of you know add this something special to it and you know people around the world are all fascinated with New York and what's happening there many people most people have never been so to see this sort of like on the streets view of dogs which are you know dogs is already a great winning concept. It's it's even more compelling the fact that there's like this New York aspect.
1: A lot of people don't realize what a what a dog city, New York is because you don't you know you don't think of it as a dog city because there's not open space. People live in small apartments, but when you go there, I mean it is. I mean I, I live in L.A., which is dog. It's a you know it's dog insane here, but it's, yeah. it's different as well. I mean the, there's a very organized. Big dog community, you know. Within,
0: you know, there is the dog park
1: world, right?
0: The dog walkers and, themselves, and and they uh, they're like passengers in the cars, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I uh, I've shot in L.A. a bit, um, and it's certainly a strong dog community, but it's not a it's not a walking city. So as a street photographer, you know, I'm going to like parks and you know Runyon Canyon and and the beach and um, you know figuring out like oh you know sort of planning my encounters a little bit more whereas there's like a you know as i was saying in new york there's sort of this spontaneity that is yeah. special each
1: photo is is really a quest to capture or communicate the the soul or essence of the dog itself do you find though that often that the identity of the dog is intrinsically linked with its human
0: There's definitely a link there. There's definitely an energy that they share. If the person is kind of confident and like outgoing, then oftentimes the dog has that energy as well. If the person's kind of like shy, then you'd see that in the dog too. My interactions with people are, you know, about five minutes. So I, I definitely get a good sense, but. I, I sort of get the, the dog at its peak excitement because I'm like a stranger. There's like the novelty to me. Like I'm, yeah. I have, I have treats. I have squeaky toys. You're someone um,
1: new to smell and jump on. I mean, you're
0: like yeah. It's like I'm it's like Christmas every day for the. I know. Yeah, I'm I'm like interested in the dog, and I have a way of you know like speak dog, so to say. You know, I read it
1: in you say speak dog. I read it in an I read an interview about you in the Guardian that says that you can imitate three different kinds of dog barks very
0: accurately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where are they? You know, you have like the the regular dog bark, like woof, And I'm gonna, My co-host Elsa here is a uh, she's not oh, she's like what beautiful <laughs> my husky. And then there's sort of like the the hound bark, which is
1: woof 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 woof.
0: I don't know if that's a hound bark. That's that's just like a, a series of barks. And then the hound the hound thing is more of a bay, a baying, where they are like woo, woo. <laughs> so there's three, and there's and there's the small dogs, yappy,
1: the <laughs> yappy dog. So you're a
0: big. I mean, you 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 shoot
1: dogs of all shapes and sizes. But you have you yourself have a big dog. Is that your? your...
0: Well, actually, she's a medium size. Oh, okay, she's like mm-hmm. uh, she's thirty five pounds. I've had her for um, like three months now. She's, I got her in the midst of the quarantine. She's like a forever puppy. Everyone thinks she's like six months old. She definitely, she's like a husky mix. The vet thinks she might be a Shibusky, like a Shiba Inu and a husky. Yeah. But yeah, she's, uh, I rescued her from Texas. She came up, I was in Massachusetts and I got set up with her and foster failed her, so to say. Okay.
1: Do you take her out with you, or is are you is that too hard to mix her with the other? Is that open up? Yeah,
0: that was one of the reasons. I it took me a while to, to to get a dog, was because I'm like, how can I like go out and get the dog's attention? If I, you know, I'm trying to be a dog myself.
1: Yeah. You know, if
0: there's an actual dog, then I'm I have no competition for that. So I was a little apprehensive about shooting with her. I started doing it, and it's actually not. i, I you know. I kind of um, will position her as I would the tennis ball in a way. Like, I'll, I'll bring her close, and now the dog's looking at Elsa, and I'm kind of, my camera's right next to her face.
1: So it's like an eye line
0: trick versus, like, yeah.
1: an introduction.
0: Yeah, but it's definitely more of a challenge. And if I'm really going to do, like, a, a full bunch of hours shooting around the city, then I'll, Elsa can stay at home or be with someone.
1: Right, right. Do you, um, when you say you, you're trying to be a dog, what are you doing with yourself? And I mean, obviously, you're not like barking and getting down on all fours. You, you know, you're
0: right. I no, it's being a dog, not, uh, but what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not that I am a dog. It's just that I'm trying to, like I said, speak dog and and make noises and sort of engage them. Like I'm also, you know, for for the last bunch of years, I've always used knee pads so that I'm literally crouching on the ground, on the dog's level and making like noises as if I'm an animal. And then that sort of, that really gets their attention. And there's that, I'm looking for that moment of attention because my, the signature of all my images is this sort of eye contact. Yeah. Direct eye contact. It's subtly different from most other dog photographers because we we anthropomorphize our dogs anyway, right? Yeah. And if it feels in the image like they know that they're having their picture taken like a person would, then that plays into our like humor and fantasy of the dogs being people even more so are you having...
1: trying to capture that are you trying to walk a line and stay away from that while still capturing eye contact and being candid
0: no I, I think i I definitely want that sort of break the fourth wall type of thing you know where and in a way the whole thing from the beginning is a little bit of a joke right like where I'm when I started it, it was kind of you know, like, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny to do the sartorialist for dogs?" Yeah, right? like
1: yeah, So you're doing, like, you're talking about their 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 fashion sense and their
0: yeah, and, and, their and uh, mocking mocking the vanity of Instagram, right? Where everyone, yeah. everyone yeah. has like a channel and like, here's me, so <laughs> and okay. you know that that dogs don't do that, right? They don't have that ability. They they can't conceive of like an ego or whatever. Yeah,
1: they don't have a sense of self to know like, here I am, the world loves
0: you. Right, they're they're free of that. They're not burdened with that. One of my things is that I make it feel like they do have that for a moment, right? Yeah, 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 okay. Um, And that's basically achieved through that direct eye contact, you know? Like a lot of dog photographers will post images where the dog is like looking a little off, like you can tell they're looking at the person not and, the camera. Yeah. And it would be like it's you're more about and with a lot of them especially with those pet influencers it becomes about the setup and the costume and the, yeah. and the and, the, a, and the, the person. Difference.
1: Yeah.
0: And the Yeah, person yeah. themselves. You know, if you're, having a, if you're having a lunch with someone and they're and they're looking like just like at your forehead or something, you'd be like what's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? It would be it would be so disconcerting. And that makes all the difference. So the fact that it feels like that they know they're having a picture taken is sort of a special thing. And then, so that's how it sort of got traction back in 2013 Is like the sartorials for dogs or Humans yeah. of New York for dogs. And then I started doing stories more inspired by Humans of New York about a year or two into it. Instead of just like having interactions with a dog, I was saying, so what's he like? Like any funny stories about him and just getting the owner's perspective or two cents on what the dog is like which is
1: brilliant because the idea of the naked city and you know 6 million stories you know everybody yeah. has a story about their dog and everybody's dog is special
0: so yeah, yeah and and you great. know it's not like every story is so unique but like the little the little nuances yeah. of it, like, yeah, it the, like the type of shoe they chewed up and you know where they ran away or like you know the all those little and the way they say it is all Uh, People identify with that and it makes it unique and fun. On that
1: tip, there's that old cliché about how people start to look like their dogs after a while. You know, having shot 40,000 dogs, do you find that so much, especially in New York, with those kind of like, oh, hello type people, like, do you find (laughs) <laughs> Do you find a group of people that start looking like their dogs?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I started doing that myself. Like Elsa, she's like white and tan. So then I'm wearing like white shoes now, white shirt, tan pants. I don't know if it's subconscious, but yeah, I would say in general, when you see it, you know, you know it when you see it. The person who's like dressed eccentrically and has curly hair with the we with not talking wood.
1: about the like super tryhard like twinning where people are dressing themselves right. like dogs and the whole like hype dog thing. Istas, yeah. But like real New Yorkers, like you're talking about, carrying the tuna sandwich, curly hair. The dog has curly hair.
0: <laughs> right now, there's definitely a look. The dog factors into that for sure. You know, everyone is so particular, often on like the breed and like the aesthetic of the dog and like what kind of what what kind of dog is like my vibe and so that you you start off the whole dog experience probably with that you're not just ending up with you know you have a preference yeah it all kind of oftentimes does come together into this sort of like this vibe you know what i mean i also
1: love the the strange juxtaposition that you see in new york and maybe this is more recent of like really huge gangster looking guys with tiny little teacup dogs.
0: Yeah, in my experience uh, in New York, I, I haven't seen that as much. Maybe um, that's an L.A. thing. I, yeah, I feel like those guys might be more L.A.-ish.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And and they're, yeah, and that's
1: all that, you know, like the, their dog has the supreme dog vest on, you know, that's get, yeah. they've got that whole thing going.
0: Yeah, yeah. New York I would say you know, look is a little more, you know, street style, hipstery. Yeah, that that kind of thing.
1: Less considered but still put together.
0: Yeah. It's it, there's there's more subtle thoughts and nuances to it than sort of this funny juxtaposition. But sometimes that happens too. You get everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ride you know, back to this like we do a lot of coverage of pet influencers and Celebi dogs or whatever. And the, and the rise of this sort of past few years, it's gone from something that was pretty fun and cute to like this sort of industrial economy of pet influencers. And it's been swift and massive. And it's sort of morphed now into this sort of like soulless influencer business where the dogs are full-fledged lucrative brands unto themselves. How yeah. do you walk the line with the dogist, where you're still making money as a business? Right. But you're not becoming
0: that this the celebre dog idea yeah yeah I'm you know still sort of the only person that does what I do which is essentially like humans of New York for dogs of you know where I'm a photographer traveling having impromptu interactions with dogs and every dog gets one post and there's this inherent novelty and documentary aspect to it whereas sort of um, an influencer blogger like and I'm also behind the camera most of the time right I, I'm not in it for my, you know, I'm not...
1: No, but I mean, I not have have to, personally, but how are you avoid Like, those people must be all over you to shoot their dogs and to feature their dogs. Like, is that... Yeah. Are you being bombarded with, with that all the time?
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone wants their dog to be famous. You know, they want to be in the club, so to say. It's a bit silly, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. That's, yeah. Part of the, that's part of the fun that I, you know...
1: Yeah, there's an irony to that, because that's very New York, too, in the sense that, you know, the idea of exclusivity and that you have created an exclusive space for dogs. Like, you have achieved
0: the idea of the Satori. Right, and that all sort of plays into this sort of subtle tongue-in-cheek juxtaposition thing where it's like, the dogs don't care about being famous, <laughs> you know, but the person does. Yeah, yeah, it's um, Like I said, there's this sort of undercurrent of, like, mockery and irony and, like, I'm a factor in that too. Like I'm, I'm sort of the the Batman or like the person who's like taking this so seriously, and yet this is all about dogs. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like, and here's this like here's this sort of like serious, shallow depth of field, focused picture, and the caption is like he like eats poop. Or whatever you know, like it, it, yeah, 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 it's yeah. like it's like everyone's trying so hard. All the people are trying so hard, and the dogs like ruin it every time. But you can't, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, the, do- like the dog will let you down because it's a dog, right? Right. So yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things about it, and that's sort of what makes it fun and 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 different from you know, if you have one dog and, and you're sort of documenting your travels, then that sort of fits within the more normal and more common sort of influencer, yeah. you know, yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, follow my story. A lot of them are like interesting, awesome stories, but I guess you have to be into that specific story. Whereas the dog is this kind of, has everything.
1: You get fatigue of the person and within and you, you know, you're introducing people to, yeah, there is that, you know, there's that journalistic aspect of chronicling the everyday lives of New York dogs. Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, another thing is that the dog is, you know, a lot of it can be light, obviously, but sometimes it gets spicy and people, it sort of catches people off guard when I'm posting something that's like, has some grit to it. It's a little, you know, a little, a little too real. What Um, is it in terms
1: of grit and spiciness? Can you give me an example? You know,
0: you know, if I'm posting a week or so, and it's, you know, golden retrievers and a puppy here, blah, 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 and people get a little bit lulled into this sort of, like, good news, you know. this
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: then, and then you know, this last Sunday, I posted a story uh, about, actually, my cousin's dog. We went to a dog park and it got attacked, and then I had to remove the dog from the, the puppy, and, you know, the dog was almost killed. And then, so, the discussion became, well, how do you, what's the right way to break up a dog fight, and, like, yeah and who's responsible and like whose fault was it that the puppy was in the dog park. And so that everyone, all, oh the, all the keyboard uh, warriors, sure. all, the, all the people come out with it, with, with, and it's all the passion that people have for in the dog community, just that's sort of the moment when you realize that the dog has these profound moments that are a little bit more controversial than your average. Yeah, yeah, do you, you find, know?
1: and you don't have to name them by person, because. Do you f- see patterns in your commenters? Like are there people who think that they have a relationship with you or the dog is based on them being frequent commenters in your posts and then there becomes that comment bullying? Like you, you, you see it a lot where there's like a, where you see like fights breaking out in the comment section between people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can, see that, I can see that happening a lot within
0: yeah. your, your world. Everyone has an expectation of, of other people and, yeah. uh, and certain brands, if some people are new to the Doggist and they, you know, what they saw in the last month was sort of a little bit lighter. And then I just happen, you know, upon a story that I thought was interesting. Maybe, and it's not that I condone every story either. Yeah, some of them I find are interesting, and and maybe instead of just like discarding it, I'm gonna like share it and have people discuss, and like everyone's gonna yeah. learn something when you do that and I've done that countless times, you know that you're gonna, it's gonna be a little stressful for for me and for people who were expecting, they were uh, offended, I guess, in some way, you, maybe. Do you have a team
1: to police it so it doesn't get out of hand?
0: Our team is now four, and ultimately, unless it's like particularly now, yeah, you yeah. know, I okay. think then I'm, then I'm basically just running with, you know, I, I know what I'm doing at this point, you know? Right, right. And sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Or I wasn't expecting, you know, I was in New York during the uh, Black Lives Matter movement protests. I went to some of them and photographed some dogs that were there. Instead of sort of talking about, the, you know, the point of it was like, I want to highlight this thing that's happening. But the comments sort of went into like, dogs shouldn't be at protests because they're dangerous, that's a discussion, right? And there's some truth to some of it. And when I was there, it didn't seem, seemed very like a fine place for a dog to be. Right. I can imagine that there are some situations that happen that you wouldn't want a dog and I wouldn't be there photographing dogs in that, in that situation, you know? But that's interesting.
1: So. That, that is the point that gets harped on. You know, while yeah. you're, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting who jumps on what. The Catist is yeah. remarkably smaller, despite the popul- despite the popularity of cats online. It, yeah, is, is it because they aren't out and about to suit your candid model? I mean, like other than bodega cats, right? You have to be invited inside someone's home to. to
0: yeah, exactly. Cat. Yeah, no, it's it's a different model. Um, but I, I, you know, when I started the dogist, the Caddist started the same day. I was like, all right, dogists. Let's do the cat us too, just in case, because um, uh, you know it's a good name and it's related, and people love cats. I've never had a cat, but yeah, I. have you don't seem to like cat cats. person, really. Yeah, I, I'm part dog, and you know I'm entertained by the idea of maybe having a cat at some point with with dogs, but that hasn't happened yet. But yeah, in terms of finding them, they don't walk around on the streets not regularly. If they, do, and, uh, dang-
1: if they do, they're dangerous street cats that you don't want. Right.
0: To yeah, you don't want to mess with them. <laughs> um, and the idea of, like I said, going chasing people's cats under their furniture in their apartment is not my idea of a fun time either. And also, cats aren't as generous with eye contact. I think.
1: Right, right. Of um, course.
0: So the images, mind you, like I've when I go do shelter shoots for dogs, I'll sometimes do cat section too, and I get I do get them to look at me. You know, I, you just, you making a weird noise, and the and What's the cat's like what. What's the trick
1: to getting a cat to make eye contact with you?
0: It's kind of a, a, a weird noise. Like a, oh, or right. See, <laughs> Elsa's, now she's reacting too. And then they'll track you? Yeah, well, they'll they'll just like, be like, what's that? And that's when I take 10 frames, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, and then they might be like, oh, and that may not work again. You know, I take a lot of bad pictures. You know, there's a lot of pictures that are kind of like close. Of course,
1: of course. And
0: uh, and but I only share the ones that are I feel are are good. Let's assess certain
1: breeds or at least break them down. You've called Afghans the supermodels of the dog world. What what is <laughs>
0: that
1: what does that mean? What's their vibe? And then do you have any other categories for dogs that you
0: shoot? It's it's rare that you see an Afghan on the street because they're a rare breed and I'm sure they're you know, they have their own unique personality and the upkeep of their coat is a whole thing. You know, it's expensive, I'm sure. Yeah, the jampoos um, and the so if you're If you're into Afghans, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with the show world, too. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen Best in Show, the movie, but.
1: I have. I've, I've been to uh, the actual thing. Westminster. I in, yeah, I used to, when we lived in New York, my wife and I would go t- to Westminster and just, like, sit in the bleachers and eat hot dogs and cheer for the
0: yeah. Day. Well, I've talked to... I remember I was having this conversation with a a Cardigan Welsh Corgi handler. Okay. And this guy, he's won the show twice, like back in like the 90s or something. He's been, you know, these these guys are just like so... Their whole life is dogs. Oh, yeah. And, And I like was talking to him about like, what's the difference between cardigan Welsh Corgis and Pembroke Welsh Corgis. And it's like, to the, you know, lay person, it's like, oh, well, one, you know, they look a little different. The reality is that, like, you know, Pembrokes come from money. Like, there's a lot of money in Pembrokes. Queen of England has Corgis.
1: Right, right. Whereas
0: the the cardigans are kind of like this farm dog. And so you see that, basically, who's saying that, like, Best in Show is a documentary, not a mockumentary.
1: Yeah, no. Like, no. all
0: those stereotypes of, like, who, what kind of people show which dogs and you know the poodle people and the Afghan people and the Shizu people and the Terry people like there is sort of this have you been backstage?
1: Have you been backstage in the prep area of West of Westminster? It's, yeah, the, the benching area. Yeah. Well, First of all, it stinks because they're yeah. they have to express their anal glands to get right. So they don't <laughs> do anything nasty. It
0: does smell doggy. <laughs>
1: Have you ever dealt with anybody in the extreme grooming world? You know, when they take the poodles and they turn them into like...
0: I know, yeah. That is really a, a sight to see at the dog shows is the way that they finesse the poodle butts. You know, like the, the, the poofs and the, yeah. the, the yeah. haircuts. And, and there's all types of things that, that are like secrets of the trade. Dyeing the dog's hair and baby powder. There's an art to it, obviously. You know, I remember I was helping uh, a writer of the New York Times write a piece about how to get your dog famous on Instagram. And I said something about like, when I post poodles, like they don't always perform as well because there's sort of this perception of them as this sort of haughtiness. Yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> there's like a little bit of like, and that is just, you know, created because the way that they're sort of seen in the haircuts and the, yeah. and the owners, you know, I love poodles. We, we had a poodle growing up and they're, they're remarkably
1: dogs. smart dogs, but yeah, they're just the that they are like
0: elitist. Yeah, they just have that little air about them. The poodle community was incensed with my comment and I got some, got some heat for that. I was like, Damn. no, 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 you don't get it. <laughs> That's not what I meant.
1: <laughs> this time last year, you were, at, you were in Israel shooting. Yeah. yeah. How does dog culture differ on the streets of Tel Aviv or Jerusalem? First New yeah. York.
0: Yeah, they, well, the the dog community there is, is awesome. People love their dogs. There is a New Yorkness about Tel Aviv. I would say yeah. Tel Aviv is like a New York meets Miami yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. vibe. So it, I would say it's it's similar to what I experienced to it's in New York a little bit. They're definitely uh, the mixed breeds, the mutts that they have there are have a look to them. You know, they have a lot of Huskies and you know, there's just sort of like a, some sub-trends and it's hard to really describe it. And, you know, they have all the, the, the breeds that are popular as well.
1: Then you have all the Middle East street dogs,
0: too. You don't have that thick
1: world, the strays with mange that, that you don't right. necessarily no, that, have in, in New York.
0: I, I didn't see that in Tel Aviv, but, you know, I, I shot in uh, Puerto Rico and there's definitely a... Oh, yeah, uh, that's the whole thing. There's definitely uh, a lot of stray pets down there, a lot of stray dogs down there.
1: Yeah, I interviewed yeah. Rob Rob Thomas on Friday. The guy from Matchbox Twenty, who's got a foundation called Sidewalk Angels, and part of what they do is rescue those beach dogs from yeah. Puerto Rico and, and find them homes. And I, I had no idea that that was a whole thing. Like,
0: yeah, my brother did that. He's a dog influencer. We did like this oh, wow. rescue yeah. ride okay. where we re- we got a dog from Puerto Rico and you know, at some sponsors, you know, BMW gave us a car, and we drove across the country with Finn, who the internet named him. It was like a whole bracket wait, to name wait, him.
1: Wait, wait, back up, back up.
0: BMW gave you money to drive across Puerto they Rico. They gave us a car, yeah.
1: To, they gave, so BMW gave you a car to drive across Puerto Rico to rescue street dogs. Oh,
0: no, sorry, no. So the dog was from Puerto Rico and was rescued by the Sato Project, flown to New York, and the plan was that we would drive around the country the u.s visiting shelters promoting each shelter and documenting Finn's journey his welcome tour to the US wow. and then find him an adoptive family in LA right that was sort of the the arc of the of the plan and I invited my brother to come along with me he had like you know quit his job and had been living in a uh, sprint he bought a van a sprinter van and was living in it you know he was sort of he was doing the van life thing. Yeah, the van life thing. But you know, it wasn't really clear where he was going. Anyway, we do this whole thing, and it was very fun. And obviously, when you have a puppy, you know, you fall in love with the dog. And <laughs> you know, my brother was like all set up for to have a dog. We we reached sort of the you know this point of no return where you know we were in, we were in Red Rock, you know, near the Grand Canyon. It's like Henry, like now you have to decide, like, are we going to L.A. or are we turning around? And then one morning, he's like, all right, I'm keeping the dog, and, and, and he sp- turned around.
1: And the sponsor thought, and was the, did, did the, uh, the brand, did they get upset? You're like, no, no, you're supposed to get that dog away.
0: No, no, they weren't upset about that, although dropping the car in Arizona instead of L.A. was a little bit of a...
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Your hunting grounds seem to be, like, below 14th Street to the Battery, you know, the sort of downtown playground of young, affluent New York. How do people's relationships to their dogs change as you change neighborhoods? How do the dogs and your portraits of them in, say, the South Bronx or East New York differ from what you would shoot in Gramercy or or Soho?
0: Yeah, I mean, there are some trends. Like, if you're in, like, Brooklyn, you're more likely to see the owner with their dog, like, during a weekday, I would say, whereas in more Like, you know, the Upper East Side, for example, you see, like, walkers with, like, ten dogs, and they're all, like, you know, expensive-looking dogs, and then, I don't know, and and oftentimes you'll see, you know, around Central Park, Uptown, that, like, there's, like, two golden doodles. Not one, but two. You know, they have a big apartment, and they, why not get two dogs?
1: I guess, is dog culture, like, is dog culture more a product of affluence? because you can afford to pamper the dog and you can afford to bring it out, or?
0: I would say that, I mean, there's definitely a relationship between, you know, dogs are not cheap. They're luxuries. You don't have to have a dog. It's a great thing, but you're caring for another animal. So then if you start there and then you say, oh, well, I want this very specific breed that costs $4,000, then everything, you know, trickles down from there and then you're getting, you know, your uh, veterinarian is even more expensive and the food you get is even more expensive and all the grooming and yada yada. So dogs aren't cheap, they're like they're like kids in a way.
1: Right, right. How has COVID changed your uh, your ability to operate? I mean, obviously people are gonna be more weary of being approached by a stranger, but on the other side, there must be more people out and about with their dogs, cause they're not at work.
0: Yeah, that's true. I dipped out of New York for uh, two months and I was in Massachusetts, so. You know, I lost access to dogs. That's when I, you know, we started looked into getting a dog. So that was a great thing that came out of the whole experience. But, you know, for a while, you are like, what do we do? And like, I looked at Brandon Stanton, the Humans of New York, is doing, and he started doing virtual interviews right. with people. So we, I basically started doing that, and basically allowing user submitted pictures, and then we I would jump on the phone with them for for a bit and just get a little snippet, as if I were meeting them on the street. And we focused on frontline workers and in the healthcare system. So it was actually really amazing and powerful seeing, you know, highlighting at a really important time, you know, these nurses and doctors and everyone else, you know, who are going through such a stressful time.
1: Obviously they all have pets and they must have unique and...
0: Yeah, and, and highlighting that relationship and how important the pet is to them when they get home was really inspiring what is
1: that relationship to their pet like often? I
0: mean, obviously, it's gonna differ from person to person,
1: but it must be a unique relationship because they they're away from their pet a lot, so when they get home, the reunion must be pretty powerful every day.
0: Yeah, and these guys are, you know, it's like they're going to battle and they're seeing people die. You know, everyone's human, and to have a pet, a dog that you can come home to and just sort of like the dog isn't thinking about what you're thinking about, and you can assert your, it lowers your, your cortisol levels and your blood pressure, and you can just sort of forget about, you can, you can relax a bit. And that's, that's so important. And so that was a, a cool opportunity to like highlight that. And, you know, I, that wouldn't have, I wouldn't have maybe had that, that sort of story theme happen if it weren't for COVID. So, you know, obviously it's stressful for a lot of, brands and businesses, but the disruption is also good, especially for me as a creator to sort of like shake things up and like- Yeah, yeah. Um, so we started this thing called the Dogest Olympics because, you know, all sports were canceled, but like, you know, they can't cancel like dogs or like, you know, what dogs do and everyone's at home with their dogs. So we started doing like theme, like, uh, you know, dogs cooling off in the pool or catching cookies or something and then everyone would submit on Instagram stories and then we would repost of them and people would vote gold or silver. On the poles.
1: I, I like watching dogs on treadmills. That's like, I, I, yeah,
0: I, maybe that's the next Doggist Olympics.
1: A, you know, once once they get the hang of it. Um, yeah, I'm particularly interested in your dog portrait studio. That the whole business around that that like I can get yeah. get my own dogest portrait of. Has that taken off for you? And like and like you must get some pretty like intense requests in terms of people wanting you know amazing portraiture
0: of of their dogs. Yeah I mean it's it's a uh, it's a new thing for me you know like I'm it's a transition from street photography where uh you know it's it's not very technical you know the camera uh, I I have my whole thing whereas in the studio you control every it's all about controlling every little aspect and creating the light and so we have a bunch of people that are coming in and it's, it's, uh, it's something I'm, I'm sort of learning and we're getting started onto. It's, it's fun, you know, it's, instead of taking, having like five minutes with a dog on the street, I now have an hour and I'm learning how a dog reacts differently in a studio, I'm finding new angles.
1: Are you still starting from your signature aspect
0: of eye contact and then building around that? It starts with that for sure. The thing that really is different about it is the people, that I now want to include the person and their face. Right,
1: right.
0: And have them both sit for a portrait, and it's really like uh, a dual portrait. I don't know if that's the right term. So that's cool too, and in me learning how to direct people. You know, it's it's harder to obviously take a picture of a person, in my opinion, because they'll look at it and say, well, oh, my, my nose looks big or something, or like, you know, anything. I don't like that one. Whereas the dog doesn't, will never do that. And the funnier you make them look, the better it is.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so it's, it's a, it's a new challenge for me. And obviously with uh COVID coinciding, right when we launched it, you know, it's, it's a new challenge to sort of get people into inside with someone else. But you know, we're doing the masks, and, you know, I have a, I have a couple of shoots next week. So yeah, it's cool. And, and, you know, I don't, it's an opportunity for people who, you know, haven't met me and are big fans and want me to capture their dog to sort of arrange for that to happen instead of, like, I don't, I don't really do that uh, on the streets. You know, the sort of, right. the artistic, you know, integrity of yeah, what I, I do is.
1: You know, I'm, I'm interested in how people build their businesses and, you know, just the entrepreneurial aspect of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. How you, there's, there's now a CEO of The is There's obviously the book. You have your publishing arm. You work for, for brands outside. Yeah. I'm always interested to see in how people build
0: yeah i mean we we're uh, we're trying um to grow you know as a startup you know for a while it was it was just like my project right yeah and over time the doggest becomes a brand right and it means something and and it uh you have to evolve what you're doing or else you're gonna you're gonna become antiquated i guess or irrelevant but uh, not the dogs will ever be irrelevant but you gotta keep changing what you're doing a little bit. Yeah, but but I mean, yeah, we
1: like, we um- Dogs are used within the context of commerce and- commercially Yeah. And you know, they're, yeah.
0: And and what does it mean to be like a doggist like fan and like, and to be a dog person really? We came out with um a bunch of like clothing and, and outfits. Like I, I wear this every day now, like my little, it's like a polo shirt. Your merch. It's like a, it's my, it's a little doggist. And there are not that many like brands out there that are like sort of have this dog theme that are popular. You know, like the Black Dog Cafe and Martha's in Martha's Vineyard, and people yeah. wear that. That means something that's like has a a real, that's like a real strong dog brand in my opinion. That's sort of something I think that we're definitely interested in because it's another thing that doesn't really exist. How do you like say people that you're a dog person without being cheesy?
1: Yeah, exactly. You
0: know what I mean? Like saying like, you know, so obviously like having like a dog mom or dog dad shirt is like kind of fun, but for like a more subtle, like New York streetwear, minimalist mm-hmm. vibe, like uh, that's what something that uh, we are interested in, and yeah, part of the the dogist brand.
1: That's all the time we have today with the dogist. We hope you enjoyed the interview, and if you haven't already done so, check out and follow them on Instagram at the Doggist. And make sure if you like the pet show to check us out as well on Instagram at the pet show podcast. And please. Make sure to go to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. It makes a huge difference. The Pet Show is brought to you by Audio Up Media and is written, produced, and co-hosted by me, Jimmy Jelinek, with Dennis Quaid. Executive producers are Jared Gustadt and Dennis Quaid. Our editor is Bill Marks. Our story producer is Emma Rapold, And our head of production is Tyler Dorson. We'll talk to you next week.